Christmas season, right? It's weird to snip scripture. Uh, it's a weird one for the beginning of what we call the Christmas season, right? It's weird to start the season of Advent and Christmas off with a picture of the apocalypse, but um, that's where we are. Welcome to Christmas. The message culturally around this season is about nostalgia and sort of daydreams. Uh, the video streaming services are all flooded with whimsical and nostalgic movies about the intangible gifts of Christmas that's shared with friends and family. In my family growing up, we always used to watch all of the classics the weekend after Thanksgiving so that we could get into the Christmas spirit, right? We would watch a Christmas story, which is nostalgic of a time when radios were the central uh, means of entertainment. We would watch the National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to remind ourselves why the hassle of putting up Christmas lights is worth it. To begin with, we watched It's a Wonderful Life to remember how essential every person was in our lives. And then when it came out, we started watching Elf to try to rekindle some of the childlike glee that is meant to come on Christmas morning, surrounded by loved ones and by gifts. And then when we're appropriately nostalgic, we would put all of the decorations up in our house. And of course, each one of those decorations also carried its own story that reminded us of moments in the past and hopes for the future. And at the end of the day, our minds would be full of nostalgic and dreamy hopes for a perfect Christmas. But in the church... On the first Sunday of Advent, we have a completely different message from all of that. There's no nostalgia in our scripture passage today. There's no daydreaming of a preferred future. There's simply a call to keep your eyes open and a pretty bleak picture of what you will probably see when you do. So we, before we get into the particulars of today's passage, there's some background here that I think is really helpful. Uh, the scripture passage today is, a, is in a genre that we call apocalyptic literature. Apocalyptic literature was common in the first century among Jewish writers. It does not refer to the end days. I'll say it again. It does not refer to the end days. Apocalypse is an uncovering of the current moment. It's a creative style of writing that invites all of us to really pay attention to the world around us as it exists, not as they wish it were. It's like lifting a bandage off of a festering wound. You have to take it in. Sights and smells and sounds, all of it. You have to see it. You have to see how bad it is before you can start to heal it. That's what the apocalypse is all about, speaking incredibly frankly and honestly about a current reality that we would rather just avoid and incredibly that honesty and that presence somehow is the beginning of our hope being fully present to what is, not trying to escape the present moment, but instead seeing everything as it is in order to pass through it. So in the first century, 
when Jesus was giving one of his last speeches to his disciples in the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus warns them about incredible suffering that is imminent. He equates it to the pains of childbirth, unfathomable pain that bears new life into the world. In the gospel narrative, Jesus is predicting suffering, but for the reader, it was already being felt. You see, in the first century, shortly after Jesus' ministry on earth, the Hebrew people rebelled against the oppressive Roman power of the day. Rome had become an increasingly oppressive empire to live within, and so the people living in this occupied Jerusalem and Judea led a revolt And it was successful at first. But the Roman Empire and Emperor Nero, they responded with an incredible violence. And in the 70th year, after Jesus' life, shortly before the Gospel of Matthew was written, the Jewish people were overthrown. And their temple was burned to the ground. And the people were in a more violently oppressive occupation under the same Roman rulers they thought they had gotten out from underneath. So immense suffering was already being experienced by everyone. It was the reality. So Matthew's gospel describes Jesus as issuing a warning about the suffering. It was a statement of fact about their current moment. Jesus in Matthew's gospel describes the reality and reminds the disciples to stay alert, be aware, stay present, and remain faithful. It's common throughout the whole Bible. Stay aware. Be present to the current reality because, as we all know, it is very easy to settle into two categories of distraction. Nostalgia for what we used to have or dreaming of a better and brighter future, both of which keep us out of the present moment. And the cultural stuff around Christmas pushes us into both nostalgia for a simpler time or dreams of sugar plums dancing in our heads. But what Christ calls us to is a deeper awareness and honesty about the present moment that we find ourselves in. Jesus calls us to pay attention to the truth of what's happening around us in the world. Jesus tells us to keep our eyes open. He tells us to stay awake. He tells us to be present. When it's easy and when it's hard, stay here. One of the best stories about being present isn't um, necessarily from the Gospel of Matthew. It's from one of my other favorite books of the Bible, the book of Exodus, which is the second book in our canon that we call the Bible. The protagonist, Moses, ascends to the top of a mountain while tending his flock of sheep after he ran away from his position of power in the Egyptian uh, empire. At the top of that mountain, 
Scripture tells us a messenger of God appeared to him in a flame of a fire in the middle of a bush. And this is quoting from Scripture. Moses saw that the bush was in flames, but it was not consumed. Then Moses said to himself, let me check out this amazing sight and find out why this bush isn't burning up. And when the Lord saw that Moses was coming to take a look, God called out to him from the bush. Now, usually we talk about that story as a miracle that God performed to get Moses' attention. But I'm not so sure that's the case. Right later in the book of Exodus, if you've seen Prince of Egypt from Disney, you know this already. Later in the book of Exodus, God sends plagues. God parts the Red Sea. God makes the sun stand still in the sky. God leads a massive group of people through the wilderness in a pillar of fire and smoke. A bush burning without being consumed is so small in comparison. Lawrence Kushner, who's a phenomenal Jewish author, he's taught me to look a little bit more closely at the process of combustion. You would have to watch wood burn for several minutes to realize that it wasn't being consumed. Right? Even dry kindling, when you set it on fire, it takes a few minutes for it to be consumed by the flame. Moses had to watch the flame for some time. He must have stopped in the middle of what he was doing to observe this fire in a bush and be present to it for several minutes before he realized that that fire wasn't consuming the bush. Moses would have had to be attentive to it for several minutes before he would even know that it was a miracle worth paying attention to. Most of us do not have that kind of patience. Most of us hurry from one thing to the next, right? It's the kind of thing that makes us drive home so automatically that we're unable to remember how we got there. It's the kind of thing that makes it hard to check in and remember what we did by the end of the day or even what we ate for lunch by 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Generally, we just aren't aware of much in our surroundings, naturally. They blur past. Our lives just blur past. And then we get stuck in nostalgia or dreams. Because the present moment doesn't feel all that important or all that meaningful. The moment seems like something easy to blur through or to walk past without a second glance. This moment can't be sacred. Some distant moment in the future might be. Or maybe it was sacred when we were kids. Either nostalgia or dreaming. Because this moment can't be it. But all of Scripture, all of Scripture points towards our deeper, deepening awareness 
of the current moment that we are in. From Moses and Jacob and Abraham before him to Jesus, we're reminded time and time again to open our eyes to our current surroundings. When it's painful, be aware. When it's joyful, be aware. When it's hard, be present to it. When it's easy, be present. And when it's boring, and this may be the most difficult, be present to it. Stay awake for all of it, because there is no way for us to know ahead of time when God will appear in a boring little brush fire. Another way Jesus puts it is to keep your lamp burning. Keep the light around you so that you can see, see the good and the bad, see the suffering, see the pain, see the chaos, be present to it, take it in, acknowledge it, see the kindness, see the joy, see the small and subtle miracles, be present to them, take them in, acknowledge them. Every single moment has the capacity to introduce us to God. Every single moment carries the potential for sacred encounters with our God, but if we don't stay awake, if we don't keep our eyes open, if we don't keep our lamps trimmed and burning, we will inevitably walk right past them. And this moment will disappear into a haze of monotony clouded by a nostalgic longing for simpler days or daydreams about a mythical and magical day somewhere far off in the future. If we could only be present now, we might see God at work. If we could open our eyes long enough, we might see the messenger of God waiting in the bushes that we walk past every single day. This is the message of Christmas. Be present. Be here. Keep your eyes open. Because God is already among us. And God is preparing to walk the earth. If we're not awake, if we're not prepared, if we're not ready, we will miss it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Amen.